everyone, and welcome to episode 16 of the Hydrogen Nowcast for December 25, 2020. This is a podcast devoted to encouraging the deployment of fuel cell EVs, hydrogen fueling, and hydrogen infrastructure throughout the world. The Hydrogen Nowcast is a production of the Colorado Hydrogen Network in Denver, Colorado. In each podcast, we'll interview the people, organizations, companies, and municipalities that are working to produce or deploy hydrogen technology. We'll discuss their plans and strategies, successes, and lessons learned. Our intent is to encourage and motivate others to take charge, to help deploy hydrogen as a means to decarbonize energy, and accelerate the movement to stop climate change. I'm your host, Brian DeBruin, the Director of Operations for the Colorado Hydrogen Network. This episode marks not only the end of 2020, but also the one-year anniversary of the Colorado Hydrogen Network. We became incorporated as a nonprofit on December 25, 2019. So I'd like to do something different for this episode of the Hydrogen Nowcast. I thought it would be appropriate to look back on the progress of the Colorado Hydrogen Network for the year, as well as talk about the status of hydrogen infrastructure deployment in the U.S. So the Colorado Hydrogen Network is a grassroots organization. And by that I mean we aren't financially supported by any corporations or institutions. We were founded by three individuals, Franz Westenbrink, who's a retired VP and general manager from Woodward, Dr. Brian Wilson, who's the executive director of the Colorado State University Energy Institute, and me. I'm a retired engineer and business development manager from Honeywell Aerospace. All three of us were frustrated by the lack of progress to deploy fuel cell EVs and decided to do something about it. So we founded the Colorado Hydrogen Network. Since I'm retired, I work full-time for the network pro bono. CHN has enjoyed a great deal of support from NREL, or the National Renewable Energy Labs, the Colorado Department of Transportation, the Colorado Energy Office, the Regional Air Quality Council in Denver, and the Colorado Division of Oil and Public Safety, who oversees fuel stations. And, of course, the Colorado Cleantech Industries Association, who we share memberships with. I should also give honorable mention to the many volunteers who came to us from Al Gore's Climate Reality Project, of which I'm also a member. Now, every one of us involved with the Colorado Hydrogen Network believes that hydrogen is critically needed to support renewable electricity to decarbonize many parts of the energy sector. But the difficult part of this transition is to develop both the supply of hydrogen and the market for hydrogen simultaneously. And champions like the Colorado Hydrogen Network are needed to make it happen. But we can't do it alone, and that's why we start every episode with encouragement for others to, as I say, take charge, to get involved, and to start a movement wherever you are. So if you're interested in trying to further the deployment of fuel cell EVs where you live, I encourage you to reach out and contact me. You can submit a contact request on the Colorado Hydrogen Network website, which is www.colorado-hydrogen.org. So I think it's important to take a minute to review why hydrogen is so essential to help completely decarbonize areas such as transportation. You know, it's now clear that to both limit climate change and to improve poor air quality, 
we need to eliminate the use of all internal combustion engines. Fortunately, these engines can be replaced with electric motors powered from renewable electricity, you know, primarily from wind and solar sources. But the question is, what's the best way to make renewable electricity portable, storable, and quickly replenishable on board a vehicle? So manufacturers have already made available a number of passenger cars, trucks, and buses with electric motors. And these EVs come in two types, battery EVs and fuel cell EVs. What must be considered, though, is that we have to look at this from the user's perspective. In other words, the customer's perspective. In order to entice all petroleum vehicle users to convert to electric vehicles, those vehicles are going to have to provide the same, or better, performance, convenience, and practicality, as well as operating cost. Now, the advantage to battery EVs is that they do offer the lowest operating cost per mile. However, when compared to petroleum vehicles, only fuel cell EVs offer the same user experience of practical long-range distance driving via refueling, quick refueling time, and robust cold weather performance. And, and by cold weather performance, I mean the range and the ability to refuel when the vehicle is below freezing. Batteries can't be charged when they're below freezing. So this comparison applies from the smallest passenger car to the largest Class 8 truck. This is why fuel cell EVs are critically needed to fully decarbonize transportation, so we can entice all users to adopt some form of EV. Of course, fuel cell vehicles need hydrogen fuel. However, with wind and solar dropping the cost to generate electricity, the business case now exists for practical and affordable hydrogen fueling that can actually compete with petroleum in both performance and cost per mile to operate. However, to do this, we face a stalemate of how to jumpstart the market. You know, why would anyone invest in hydrogen fuel stations if there are no fuel cell EVs to buy the hydrogen? And how can anyone buy a fuel cell EV if there are no fuel stations? So the answer is that the fuel stations and the fuel cell vehicles have to be deployed simultaneously. You know, Tesla understands this, and they've built charging stations. And Nikola know this, and so they plan to build hydrogen stations to service their fuel cell trucks. And that's one of the main reasons that the Colorado Hydrogen Network was founded, to fill this need to establish hydrogen users, in other words, the customers, as well as a source of fuel, and both at the same time. So where are we in this quest to deploy hydrogen fueling and fuel cell vehicles? So let's talk first about the state of hydrogen infrastructure in the U.S., and by that I mean both the social and the financial and the technical aspects. Then I'll give an overview of the progress the Colorado Hydrogen Network has made in our first year. So let's talk first about where hydrogen stands socially. And by socially, I mean kind of has it reached the collective consciousness of everyone. So it's been said that if it weren't for the need to decarbonize the energy sector in order to halt climate change, we'd probably never bother trying to use hydrogen. And I, I think that's true. Now, the year 2020 seems to mark the turning point where climate change is finally recognized as real and, of course, the dire threat that it is. You know, the events such as the highly moving milestone speech that Greta Thunberg made on September 2019 to the UN Climate Action Summit and the severe weather events that we've experienced and the now overwhelming amount of climate evidence 
I think this is finally galvanized in most people's minds that climate change is real. So driven by the need for zero carbon solutions, I think many people are now, now starting to recognize and appreciate the fact that hydrogen is a necessary counterpart to renewable electricity in the energy transition away from fossil fuels. Now, the European Union has pledged billions of euros to build hydrogen infrastructure, and President-elect Biden is also pledging to support hydrogen. So that brings us around to the business or the financial aspects of hydrogen. Here, I think the great enabler for hydrogen is low-cost electricity from wind and solar. Wind and solar are now the cheapest means to generate electricity in most parts of the world. And the importance of this cheap electricity cannot be overstated because it now means that hydrogen, which is generated from renewable electricity using water electrolysis, can compete with petroleum. So I've spoken about the social and financial aspects of hydrogen. This brings us around to the technical. As we transition from fossil fuels to renewable energy, transmitting or transporting energy becomes an issue. You know, fossil fuels were both energy dense and easy to store and transport, but moving and storing renewable energy, whether as electricity or as hydrogen, has challenges. For example, the electric grid would need to both double in capacity as well as the areas served. For example, by extending to new areas of the growing wind and solar electricity generation. But most people don't want to see additional power lines cluttering the view, so expanding the grid much seems to be problematic. So hydrogen as an energy carrier also has issues. It's quite voluminous, so it takes a lot of space in a truck or a rail car or ship. It can be moved by pipeline, but not many pipelines exist, and they typically only go point to point to and from hubs or terminals. So you still have the problem of moving the hydrogen from the terminal to the end user, which is often called the last mile. Fortunately, hydrogen can be combined with other materials, which actually make it more energy dense and stable. One such notable material is Liquid Organic Hydrogen Carrier, or LOHC. LOHC is an oil which can take up hydrogen by the use of a catalyst and a bit of heat. And actually the resulting LOHC plus hydrogen is stable at ambient temperature and pressure, which means it can be transported in existing petroleum trucks and stored in existing petroleum tanks. Now on the usage side, for example, a hydrogen fuel station, the hydrogen is extracted from the LOHC, again by using a bit of heat and a catalyst. Really the only downside to this is that the LOHC is reusable, so it has to make the round trip back to the hydrogen production site. But this probably isn't an issue in most cases. So to give you an idea of how efficient LOHCs are, let's compare two tanker trucks. One being a hydrogen gas tube trailer, and the other being your typical 11,600 gallon tank trailer of the type used to transport gasoline or diesel. The tube trailer can carry about 330 kilograms of hydrogen, but the petroleum tanker could carry 2,500 kilograms of hydrogen, which is embedded in the LOHC. So to give you an idea of what that means, that's really the difference between being able to fuel 82 cars or 625 cars with just one fuel truck delivery. So a tube trailer could barely provide enough hydrogen for one fuel station for a day, whereas the LOHC delivery could provide enough hydrogen for around a week. 
Now, another option to transport and store greater amounts of hydrogen is to combine the hydrogen with nitrogen from the air, which forms ammonia, which is NH3. So liquid ammonia carries around six times the hydrogen per given volume as a 5,000 PSI hydrogen gas. But the downside is that there's an energy cost to converting hydrogen to ammonia, and then of course back to hydrogen again if the desired end product is hydrogen. So to summarize all this and put the business and technical aspects together for hydrogen fuel stations, wind and solar are making electricity cheap enough that hydrogen can compete with petroleum. We can make hydrogen at the point of use, for example, at a fuel station, by splitting water with electricity. And if adequate electricity isn't available at fuel station locations, you know, out in remote places, we can instead move hydrogen using liquid organic hydrogen carriers, or LOHCs. And then bulk hydrogen can be sent by pipeline, or if ships or rail are the preferred method, hydrogen can be combined with nitrogen to make ammonia. Now, there is one other technical development to talk about this year that could prove to be really huge. And this is the ability to extract zero-carbon hydrogen from old oil wells. Essentially, this is performing steam methane reforming underground, and the carbon stays in the ground indefinitely. On Podcast 13, we interviewed Proton Technologies, who pioneered this technique, which can create massive amounts of hydrogen at prices cheaper than any other method. Most oil wells that have been abandoned still have significant amounts of petroleum left in them. However, the wells were abandoned because it was deemed no longer financially viable to extract the oil. However, the proton technologies technique can extract vast amounts of hydrogen from these abandoned wells. Now, the catch to this process is that it creates tons of hydrogen per day, and it's fairly expensive to convert a well. Therefore, a large initial user of hydrogen is needed to make this venture financially viable. Now, one such user would be utility power generators. Their coal or gas-fired power plants could be converted to burn zero-carbon hydrogen instead. The Colorado Hydrogen Network has already sponsored a meeting between Proton Technologies and one of the Colorado electric utilities. Now, it's interesting to note that Colorado has over 16,000 abandoned oil wells, which could supply zero-carbon hydrogen for many, many decades to come. Now, there is one more key element we need to talk about to establish hydrogen infrastructure. And this is the need to develop both the markets for hydrogen at the same time and scale as we develop the sources of hydrogen. You know, some people call this the chicken and the egg stalemate. In order to sell hydrogen, you need to engage hydrogen customers at the same time. Also important in this discussion is that both the supply and the demand need to be developed at the same scale. You know, nobody can afford to develop a million kilogram per day hydrogen generation facility if that demand won't exist for years. And so this is the problem that the Colorado Hydrogen Network is working to solve. We're actively seeking users willing to invest in fuel cell trucks, and at the same time, we're engaging with investors to fund fuel stations. As we find both, we'll deploy a station. So speaking of the Colorado Hydrogen Network, let's shift gears for a minute and talk about the accomplishments for the year for CHN. We spent the first months of the new organization basically building our network. We reached out to companies and organizations involved in hydrogen to build a relationship. 
The power of networks is often underestimated, although it's recognized in the common saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's also recognized in the concept that any two people on earth are connected by six people or less. This is the premise of the 1993 movie, Six Degrees of Separation. But actual studies by Facebook and others bear this concept out. By the way, I highly recommend the Public Broadcasting Service, or PBS, three-part documentary about networks called NetWorld. Uh, It's also coming to Amazon Prime soon. So the power of networks was borne out for CHN this year when we were able to acquire a donated hydrogen fuel station through our relationship with NREL, as well as the Colorado State University Energy Institute. Our friend and associate at NREL, Sean Onorato, was charged with the decommissioning of this fuel station. He didn't want to see it scrapped, so he proposed to the station owner, who was Nell Hydrogen, that the station be moved to Colorado. Now, CHN would have been incapable of repairing and operating and maintaining this used hydrogen station on our own. But because another member of our network was capable, which is the Colorado State University Energy Institute, we were able to convince Nell that we were able stewards, I'll say, for the station. And I want to thank Brian Wilson, the executive director of the CSU Energy Institute, and also the technology officer for CHN, for making this happen. Now, the station uses on-site electrolysis to generate hydrogen, and it's completely contained in two 20-foot cargo containers. Having this pilot hydrogen fuel station is going to give us the experience with repair, operation, and maintenance of an on-site electrolysis station. It'll also give us good data on the cost. So acquiring this station is now launching us on the next phase, which is to deploy another five hydrogen stations in the Denver-Boulder metro area. We realize that we need to start with fuel cell trucks and then move on to passenger cars. And the reason to start with trucks is that passenger cars probably only use half a kilogram of hydrogen a day, whereas commercial trucks will need 10 to 20 kilograms per day. And we need adequate hydrogen sales in order to generate revenue to pay for the station. So we're now in discussion with various fuel cell truck builders to first find out what type of trucks are available. And once we have that list, we'll be approaching businesses in Denver that use those types of trucks to convince them to acquire fuel cell trucks and we'll provide the hydrogen fueling. At the same time, we're seeking investors to help fund the uh, station infrastructure. So our goal is to price hydrogen competitively with premium gasoline on a cost per mile basis. Now, since fuel cell EVs get 2.5 times the mileage of internal combustion vehicles, that means we can price a kilogram of hydrogen at 2.5 times the price of a gallon of premium gas. So we're able to obtain electric rates here in the Denver area that allow us to generate hydrogen at a cost lower than that. So we can earn margin on each kilogram of hydrogen sold, which will be used to pay back investors for the fuel station capital cost. Now, the other big accomplishment of the Colorado Hydrogen Network this year was starting this podcast that you're listening to now, the Hydrogen Nowcast. And you listeners all over the world have found the podcast, even without any advertising. We now have over 2,800 downloads on all the continents, of course, except for Antarctica. But this has given us the opportunity to provide a voice for hydrogen initiatives and to spread the word about new and developing hydrogen technologies. 
listeners from all over the world have reached out to connect with us. So with that, I'll wrap up this episode for the year. And once again, invite you all, is, is if you enjoy listening to the Hydrogen Nowcast, please subscribe to the podcast and also give us a rating in your podcast app. A good rating helps us be discovered by other people. Also, word-of-mouth recommendations are really important, so consider letting people in your own network know about the Hydrogen Nowcast. A really good rating helps us be discovered by other people. Also, word-of-mouth recommendations are really important, so consider letting people in your own network know about the Hydrogen Nowcast. Show notes and contact information, as always, are available on the Colorado Hydrogen Network website, which is at www. Dot colorado-hydrogen.org. So until next time, this is Brian DeBruin wishing you health, prosperity, and Merry Christmas. Goodbye.